0: just go to cars.com. It's magical.
1: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of SB Nations, the Fin Sider Radio, aka the Jake and Josh Show. I am your host, Josh Houts. I am joined by the one, the only, Jake Mendel. You can follow me on Twitter, at Houtz, H-O-U-T-Z. Follow Jake at at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. Now, before we get into our thoughts about the Bills game, I must remind you, please, if you're listening to this podcast, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Megaphone, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review. And if you ever have any questions, reach out to us on Twitter. So without any further ado, let me welcome in the one, the only, Jake Mendel. How's it going today, Jake?
2: It's good. It's good. You know, it is frustrating because I, find myself, have a queue of podcasts I need to listen to. There's a queue of stories I want to read, but it's hard. It is hard after a Miami Dolphins loss to really want to sit there and talk about your team because for everything that happens in a game, everything feels better on a victory Monday. But, Josh, that's why we get paid the big bucks. We're here to talk about the Miami Dolphins, and generally speaking, you just said it before the show. There were some things that we can really like about this game. Some are can actually say we're surprised about how close it was uh, for how well the offense did at times. But with all that said, I think there is one thing we really do have to truly keep in mind, and that is that the Miami Dolphins are 0-2. And, you know, I we've been both, you know, tweeting throughout the day. You've been doing a lot more of the newsy stuff compared to me just kind of firing off the cuff with my opinions. But generally speaking, I think that's where we have to start a discussion. The Miami Dolphins are 0-2. Uh, with that too comes the idea that it's so hard to get back up to that 500 mark when you're 0-2. It's a frustrating time. When you see how the Dolphins play and how they're losing these games, it's not like it was last year where they're you know losing 60 to nothing or 30 to nothing. Sorry, 59-10. Potato, potato. But they're still losing games, and they're losing these if games. Well, if this went differently and that went differently, there could have been a couple ways to make the game feel better. So yes, the Dolphins are in a better position despite being 0-2 right now, but we're going to start reaching a point here if the Dolphins don't pick up a couple wins where we're going to have to have some deep and honest conversations about the direction of the team with all those uh, draft picks that the team still has. But that's me getting ahead of myself. Josh, I want to start out with this, and, and I need your kind of backup here. Before the game, would you say I would have been smart to bench Stefan Diggs in fantasy?
1: I mean, I, I hadn't started in a couple of leagues. I just feel like something with the Dolphins secondary, I just felt like Josh Allen was going to have a day. And, you know, who else was he going to throw it to? So I wouldn't have dropped him, but I'm in 13 leagues. So, I mean, I didn't have really <laughs> any room to, to sit him. So he was he was bound to start in one of my leagues. But, yeah, I, I, I probably would have sat him if I was in your situation.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of where we got to start the discussion. And, and you said it best where you thought Josh Allen was going to have a day. And that's certainly what he did. Uh, he threw for over 400 yards the first time in his career. He set a career high with 417 yards, a career high, four touchdowns. This is, it was honestly it's a pattern.
1: Uh, it's definitely a pattern.
2: <laughs> mind boggling to watch. It was genuinely mind boggling, boggling to watch. And when you kind of talk about digs, we have to start with Byron Jones suffered an injury on, it had to be what the third play from scrimmage. If that, uh, just humble or, uh, stumbles off the field. As of today, we don't know if he's going to play Thursday night against Jacksonville. Um, uh, but he's not ruled out. I guess that you got to take that for what it's worth. I, I don't think Flores has ever been one of those guys to play, you know, ifs and maybe's with his team. He, if they're healthy, he's going to try to get him out there. And clearly, what we learned first and foremost is that this Miami Dolphins secondary is thin. We sp- spent so long talking about the depth of the unit, how much money the Dolphins put into it, and just for them to be absolutely torched by Josh Allen in a lot of plays where Noah Ibn Agni looked okay sometimes in coverage, where you know you could tell it's literally his first game starting at as a boundary cornerback and with that too, Xavier Howard, he was shadowing John Brown for the entire game. And how do you feel about something like that, where you have someone shadowing a player and we can sit here and talk about how Stefan digs the 150 yards and a touchdown. Maybe we should have had Xavier Howard go over and kind of match him play with him. But what they did instead was kind of say after the game that that was Byron Jones assignment. Igben Agni was the next guy up. We had to put him there because John Brown's a good receiver on his own. He's had career games against the Dolphins time and time again. What Diggs does with just being an all-around good receiver, John Brown can burn you. We saw it on the last touchdown of the game where, you know, I'm not going to defend Xavier Howard or or Bobby McCain on that. He certainly got beat. But what was your thoughts on the decision to kind of leave Igben Agni on an island there? I mean, I think I would start, you know, I'm even going to start by interrupting you and say, to play Igbanagony on Diggs, I get that. I get that Howard knows John Brown's tendencies by studying him all week. But I mean, to leave him on an island all alone with a little bit of help, and or maybe even no help, he has. I mean, that's got to be a little concerning. If that's the way the Dolphins are going to go about it, just kind of put him out there to get eaten by the sharks.
1: 100%. I think you put it right to get eaten by the sharks, and that's pretty much what Stephon Diggs did. And we know he's one of you know he's easily a top 10 wide receiver in the league. You saw. What type of impact he can have, and to just continue to put Noah Igbenogany out there, seeing that he was struggling, you know, it it is a little baffling. And we sit here, and, you know, you you joke that we get paid the big bucks, but we're not NFL players. You know, we don't have that type of talent. We don't put in the work that they do, but uh, it was definitely head scratching. I do have to chime in there on that. Byron Jones situation, I think uh, Brian Flores said he would need to heal really quickly to be able to play. So it sounds like he's doubtful. So we might be back to seeing something very similar again, you know, against Gardner Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars. And we will have a podcast later in the week for those of you listening. So tune into that. But for me, it's just, I mean, you sit here and we we try to sit here and we take the fandom out of it. You just, I, to me, I don't understand what the coaches saw and Josh Boyer, the dolphins, defense coordinator addressed this earlier today. And he said, there's a lot of factors that go into matching guys up. He goes one, the routes they run two, the receiver. They are three, the movement they do in their scheme. We put guys in spots that we feel is best for them. That is why we made the decisions we made. So, you know, uh, Josh Boyer says that there's a reason behind it. I mean, you got to trust that. They continue to say Xavier Howard's healthy. You have to wonder if Xavier Howard was truly 100% if he didn't go through, you know, all the rehabilitation, and the knee injury again, if if he wouldn't have been on Stephon Diggs because – Before Byron Jones got to town, you know, who would have it have been? It would have been Xavier Howard covering Stephon Diggs. So I don't understand throwing the rookie on there, no matter how much confidence you have in him, and then to see him just get beat like a drum repeatedly and then not going out there and trying to do something different, try to throw something differently at him. It was a long day for the secondary, and I think we definitely have to talk about the pass rush because, you know, they're equally to blame for, for what we saw on Sunday.
2: How frustrating were they? There was a play where I think, you know, Josh Allen was scrambling for his life and he put Kyle Van Noy on skates by just walking. He didn't have to do a move or anything, and Van Noy just kind of fell over himself. I've never like, we had Ryan Tannehill where I'm not gonna compare him to any other quarterback because that just caused more fits. I've never saw him break anybody's ankles. Ever. Why why is it that when you're facing the Dolphins All of a sudden, these guys, you know, are the most elusive quarterbacks in the entire universe. And, you know, when you look at the signings of Emmanuel Ogbo and Shaq Lawson, you have to wonder what on earth this was. Was this just spending money for the sake of spending money? And and I need to be very clear about something here is that the Miami Dolphins are 0-2. The season isn't over. Everything can certainly change. But teams that start 0-2 have, like, a 15% chance of making the playoffs. And, again, that's not even the point I'm trying to make. It's that we wanted to have a competitive football team and, you know, to pick up some wins, to be in situations where they have players who become stars, who develop, into quality starters, not you know, a defense that was spent hundreds of millions of dollars on and all of a sudden opposing offenses can get nine yards per play against us. That is a concern. We can say, yeah, this was a close win. It's exciting. But Brian Flores was brought in to be a defensive-minded head coach. I haven't seen any growth. We thought Jerome Baker was going to all of a sudden turn into the all-star. We thought he'd be this great player who can really turn the tides of games. That hasn't been the case. What this defense seems like is a group of guys who aren't going to put you in a situation to lose, but they're not going to put you into a situation to win. And that starts with the pass rush because it was non-existent. Uh, the running game, we, we di- they did what we wanted them to. We, we spoke all before the game. Let's make them throw the ball. Let's make them throw the ball. That Josh Allen threw the ball 46 times. That's crazy. Again, I would prefer... After seeing the Dolphins give up completions of 46, 46, 47, 38, and 26, I'd rather do the same exact game plan all over again because you expect Brian Flores, a linebacker guy, a secondary guy, to have some sort of way to kind of make Josh Allen concerned. The Dolphins have yet to have an interception this year, and that does start with the pass rush. We saw Vannoy one go right through his hands, and I'm going to have to keep reminding myself this every couple minutes. The season's still early, but at the same time, it's you're truly not, you know, paying attention if this isn't something you sh- you're frustrated about. And, you know, when I just list off the group of completions, the one that, you know, hurt the most was the 26-yarder, the smallest one. It was a second and 25. The Dolphins were at a great opportunity to have a chance to really turn the tides of the game. 26 pl- yards right there on that first play. It just seems like that the Dolphins don't have an ad- identity on defense. We thought that secondary was going to be so great, such a great strength. Igbenagbe could turn into an all-pro. He could turn into a great player. Brandon Jones, he had nine tackles after 12 tackles last week. Sure, that's awesome, but when you see them giving up 31 points and these 417 yards, you you get legitimately concerned about what where's the direction of this team going? We spent all this money. Where's anybody that can really come out and be a full-time stud? We got rid of a full-time stud in Minka Fitzpatrick. We traded away Raekwon McMillan after he was really kind of coming along at the end of the season. And it's trust the coaching staff. They know what they're doing. And that much must very well be the case. But Brian Flores, a defensive-minded head coach, in his what, 18 games so far, has given up more than 30 points in 11 of those. Where is this kind of shock, this awe of, hey, this guy's a genius on the defensive end of the ball. What we don't have in talent, we're making up in this. We haven't seen it yet. Yes, the Dolphins won five of nine at the end of the season last year. That's great. But if we're holding our cap on and we're hanging our cap on that at the end of the season, we have big concerns. We have legitimate concerns about this team. I'm sorry. I kind of went on a rant there. But that's just kind of the state of the defense. And I do understand, yes, let's wait. Let's give it time. Let's let these people develop. But if you're those thoughts aren't creeping in that, hey, we're getting hoodwinked again, and hey, we better be careful. The Dolphins have two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and if the season goes one specific way the Dolphins could have two high picks I really don't want more of those picks to be wasted that's the concern I have right now because this team they need to do something that identity needs to be developed
1: it's, it's hard to follow that up I mean that was a hell of a rant that was perfect I mean that kind of sums up Dolphin fans Thank feelings right now and you know it is early in the season and we got to continue to reiterate that but you mentioned it Brian Flores is a defensive minded head coach we joke about what he did to the Rams you know completely <laughs> knocked that, that offense back a, a whole different rung you know, with that Super Bowl performance. We just haven't really seen him be that dominant guy here. We thought maybe it was because he didn't have his players intact. You know, they went out there, they brought in 24 new players this offseason, and again, you know what every team's going through. You know uh, this offseason's just right. a very unique situation. That's 24 new players. I mean, they got Josh Boyer. I mean, I know he's part of Brian Floor's system. That's a, that's a new defense coordinator. You know, they brought mm-hmm. in I knew of offense coordinator, so there's going to be these, these hiccups in the road, but you invested all that money on the secondary, like you said. You know, when you, they drafted Igbenogany, even then you were like, okay, I, th- I thought we were pretty good in the secondary at the time. Surely they needed safety help, and we won't even get into Bobby McCain. I mean, you talked about that enough there. I don't know why he's still playing safety. He, he looked lost at times, and it's just not a position I think suits him all. I'd much rather see him there in a the nickel spot or, he, or, you know, maybe even on, on someone else's roster. But it, what it all comes back to is, you know, it's just baffling that the Dolphins, and we know if Byron Jones was out there, it could have been a different story. But again, the Xavier Howard thing, you know, why couldn't he do that? And why could the mm-hmm. coaching staff just not adjust? We know that this is a man defense. We know they like to play cover one. I mean, that's pretty much what Brian Flores said. And I mean, you and I, we both play man and I joke about it. But, you know, if you're a man defense and man, you got those speedy receivers, you're running those yep. crossers. And that's pretty much yep. what they yep. did yep. all damn day long. And I mean, it's cliche to say here and say, you know, as, as fans and, you know, guys that break down this team that that would be we would have ways to stop it. You know, you'd play zone or you. You do to throw this blitz at them. Or you do these different things to counter what they're doing, and the Dolphins just didn't do it. Uh, again, I still don't understand, and probably won't understand for a while why they did not move Xavier Howard onto Stephon Diggs when he was just absolutely gashing them. But at the end of the day, you know, we continue to say they had to force the the Bills to throw the football. I don't even know the Dolphins wanted that. I, I forget which Dolphins beat writer said it, but I think Josh Allen four of his top five games have been against the Dolphins or something mm, like that. Yep. I mean, it's incredible. And after what you saw with Cam Newton last week, I mean. It, sure, they stopped them a little bit in the running game, but I, I don't really think that the Bills came out here and planned to attack the Dolphins in that way. So, man, it, on a short week, I mean, Jacksonville is going to be tough for them to turn around. But there, there's there's a lot of we, we just got to remember there's a lot of variables that are going into this season. And again, it's a it's a new coaching staff. You know, it's it's there's different pieces. Give it time, but yes, you absolutely need to be concerned because of all the money invested, all the draft picks invested on the defensive side of the football. And then again, Brian Flores being what you would, what we all believe, is a, a one of the best defensive-minded coaches in the NFL. You know, you want to see him play a hell of a lot better than they have the first two weeks of the season.
2: Uh, Adam Beasley kind of tweeted out the best he possibly could. Dolphins defensive rankings: last in yards per pass against Cam Newton and, and Josh Allen. Last in yards per play. 30th in yards, 29th in rushing, 28th in yards per rush, 27th in passing, and 19th in scoring. Uh that just kind of sums up where this team is. And yes, they're not getting obliterated in their first four weeks, but I mean, they're not playing well. I mean that that that's for sure. Um, what can Miami's defense do to get off to better starts? Brian Flores made me eye roll into another dimension because this is just kind of the coaching lingo we get. Um we have to do a better job as coaching as a coaching staff to put them in a position to rush better. As players, they have to work on basically everything. That's what he said. Uh, the Dolphins went in the halftime trailing 17 to 10, gave up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. You would hope that if we get punched in the face to start, we could make those adjustments. Those never came. Um, I think the Dolphins have. Let me let me see here. They're one of what 13 teams to have two sacks or worse in in two games. Which okay, that's fine. That's something or three or three sacks in two games, whatever that that's fine. But it's just kind of, you're sitting here wondering, waiting for something to happen. Where are we going to kind of hit someone with a haymaker? Where is our big play on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, But I think this kind of really just kind of sums up what the dolphins defense is. They ran the ball 23 times to throwing it 35 times. Uh, They simply couldn't make a play. And Josh, uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head where we kind of we play bad and um, coaches would legitimately walk up to any person on the street and say, you don't know what they're t- you're talking about. But we it's kind of been proven time and time again where there are a lot of coaches in the NFL who, in fact, don't know what they're talking about. I'm not saying is that, but to kind of say that, hey, this seemed like an easy fix. Why did not you fix it um, to get countered with you don't know football is isn't a fair argument because there is a legitimate case to be made of. If you're doing these, where's the zone? Where's some sort of safety help that kind of le- leap over the middle? You know what these, the plays these guys are doing. Uh, Josh, everyone's kind of talking about the Xavier Howard thing. And I, I see what you're saying, but I kind of under, I do also understand Boyer's quotes um, around, along the lines of Xavier Howard, have him play against the guy he was slated to play against. When you have the contracts the Dolphins have, it makes sense. That's one thing. But what about this one? Uh, should, should Bobby McCain have moved to slot corner and Brennan Jones become the full-time safety after the Byron Jones uh, injury? We saw how bad Nick Needham got burnt out there. And for everyone tweeting at his mom, I mean, that's a little ridiculous. Don't do that. Uh, these players are obviously subject to criticism by being in the NFL, but we can do it in a professional way where you don't have to tweet at someone's mother about it. Uh, but we see why Nick Needham was a bubble guy. Uh, we see what Bobby McCain can do in this slot. We see why he got paid as a slot corner. And Brandon Jones, I mean, he's been around. He's been playing so much. Why not make the switch? Would that be something they should have contemplated outside of just moving Xavier Howard over to Stephon Diggs?
1: Again, I to try a little bit of everything. And I, I right. think... You know, Brandon Jones, we saw how good he was last week. I do think he's a better, you know, he's obviously better suited as a strong safety, but (laughs) I don't really necessarily love what Bobby McCain does as a free safety. So why not try to change things up? I mean, you should have done anything. And I I do like the point that you made about how if, if you're sitting there all week long and, you know, Xavier Howard's planning on battling John Brown and that's his test and he's watching the way he runs routes and, you know, the different nuances of the game then to take him out of that element uh, to a guy that maybe knowing Benignies you know spent all week studying maybe Stefan Diggs I mean he even mentioned Stefan Diggs earlier in the week um, about how excited he was to see what could happen there so I mean that could have been a battle that was already potentially going to go down so a lot of factors are going into this but I definitely think the Dolphins should have done something whether you know that's like you said, playing more zone, which is kind of what I would have expected to see. But, I mean, they're, if they're a man team and that's just not how they are, then maybe this is what we need to expect. And at that point, you need to have a, a better pass rusher up front than, you know, these edge centers that they got this this offseason. And we I saw Emmanuel Agba, you know, he made some plays, got some penetration, like what Christian Wilkins is doing. You know, there's different pieces here. AVG, I'd like to see more out of him. Kyle Noy, I mean, we, you mentioned how you'd love to see the defense step up, and you got to mention how Kyle Noy had that interception that was a sure drop. And then there was one where, again, it reminds me of Ian Madden, where the ball goes through the defender's hands, and somehow Stefan Diggs made this incredible catch between two du- Dolphins du- du- defenders. It looked like it went right mm-hmm. through their damn hands. So there were plenty of opportunities, and, you know, ironically enough, their one turnover <laughs> happened when the game was, you know, was in their little technical difficulties. I think Kyle Van Noy had a strip that Noah Igbinogu recovered. Dolphin fans didn't even get to see that. So, you know, it, it was just a very crazy day. And you know, we can sit here and beat on the defense, and we're going to until we see them step up. But you know, we had some good things that we saw in the offense, and you know, a lot of that remains up front on the offensive line. But as we're going to discuss, you know, that that goal line, that goal line offense, that gotta but, be the first thing we talk about. Yeah, that that, that, be- was, <laughs> that was pretty bad. just go to snacket.sbnation.com. no purchase necessary sweepstakes ends 4/3/2023 void wherever hit here's worth the snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons each good for one bag of chips see official rules at com. so uh
2: the Miami Dolphins used to do this thing they've kind of mixed up how they've done it and i really have been out of the loop a couple of years especially with covid um, and working my job, but they used to do this thing called web weekend. Right. And I went there in both, uh, 2014, 2015. I kind of got to, you know, interview players. You were, I was basically a reporter for the weekend. I basically was, uh, got my own little badge. I got to talk to different people. And I remember they used to do a, the show, uh, was it the Finnsider or, uh, uh, something like that, where it was, uh, Jesse Agler at first. And then it,
1: I'm sorry, I'm kind of losing it here. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Was Greg, the... Likens, was Greg Likens on there? Was he the other one?
2: Greg Likens became the guy afterwards. But they also, uh, there was two players. Actually yeah, I think it was Dolphins.
1: Called, I think it was called the Side or something like that. Exactly, some, exactly. Uh, yeah.
2: So they they were doing, you know, an interview. Or we were kind of just shooting the shit with them. And, and, you know, writing stories or whatever it may be. And this was when Peyton Manning was going off in Denver. And I, at this time, the Dolphins struggled from inside the five-yard line. And they would, you know... It was the same thing. Whoa, we're going to run up the middle with Daniel Thomas or Lamar Miller? We can't do that. Um, and and Peyton Manning was going bananas in Denver. And something that worked for them was just like a naked bootleg. You know, they tried it sometime where he could, you know, roll out. And this is where, you know, you kind of... I want to say sometimes, like, what coaches see, what players see, you can disagree with them. Because in this scenario, I asked him, I'm like, you know, we saw Peyton Manning. This was, like, so timely because... Like, two weeks prior, Peyton Manning scored on, a, like, a naked bootleg, ran, rolled out to the outside. And that's, like, old Peyton Manning post-surgery, being able to do whatever he does. And I asked, why can't Ryan Tannehill do that? Why can't we do something creative where we get Tannehill moving on his feet? He, he's athletic. Um, it might not work, but it's worth a shot instead of just running up the middle with Daniel Thomas over and over again. And he said to me, Ryan Tannehill can't do the same things Peyton Manning can do. That, that is the best answer he could give me. And I was just ready to throw a fit because you're sitting here, you're trying to tell me I'm an idiot for saying that Ryan Tannehill can't do things Peyton Manning can do. Obviously he can't. Peyton Manning is an all-time generational quarterback. But you're telling me he can't do a bootleg? Like, the, the, there's there's a huge separation of of, of concept and reality here. Like, let, let's be honest with ourselves. And what we saw on Sunday from the Dolphins was another scenario of did we really make this more complicated than it has to be? The, again, the game could have completely changed whatever happened on this drive, but the Dolphins should have scored a touchdown on this drive. It started first and goal, Buffalo one-yard line. There was three minutes and 29 seconds left in the third quarter. Big Bob Hunt reported as eligible. Jordan Howard to the left tackle to the Buffalo one for no gain. Josh, that was the one time we ran the ball from first and goal at the one-yard line. All right, and we're going to get coaches telling us that we – gotta play a game a certain way. We gotta play towards our players. And just like Ryan Tannehill not being able to do a bootleg, this is complete nonsense. This is absolutely freaking ridiculous. I cannot believe on first and goal one was the only time we ran the ball. Okay, I'm sorry. You know, you want to say that Ryan Fitzpatrick, the rollout to the left, the disastrous play that it resulted in him losing his helmet was a run? Sure. That was, that was the most frustrating two plays because after that you knew what the Dolphins were gonna do. They weren't going to run the ball anymore. Why go behind Solomon Kinley? It wasn't me sitting here a week ago yelling, cheeks, cheeks, where you can literally run up the middle. Solomon Kinley, get on his hip and roll into the end zone. No, what we're going to do is we're going to line up two tight ends on one side. We're going to get two running backs in the backfield, and we're going to shuffle them all out. So we have Miles Gaskin on one end, Mike Jacecki on the other, uh, Sheehan in the middle, and Durham Smythe. And what we're going to do is we're going to go at Mika Hyde, one of the best, versatile safeties in the NFL on a fade route on third and goal from the one yard line. Jaceki had an awesome game. We'll get into that, but you have to be absolutely kidding me that this is by, this was by far the worst play of the game. You have Devonte Parker. You have Preston Williams. I'd rather see that Preston Williams drop on third down on the fourth because fourth down, Preston Williams has had three receptions on 12 targets this season and complete pass right through his arms. Josh, how do we not just run it right up the middle? Not once did they try to run it up the middle. It was All to the outside. I I don't get it. I'm ranting again. But this is just kind of, you know, we could say the Dolphins have gotten better. But if you're doing things like this, these if games are going to become more common. And we're going to be back to being the joke that's in the hunt until we got to talk ourselves and have a Joe Philbin or Adam Gase because 7-9 ain't cutting it. These are the 7-9 plays the Dolphins continue to make. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I don't know how to follow that up. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking at Joe, I'm looking at Joe Shad and I, I just want to make a joke that maybe they thought they had Kalen Belage in the lineup. Because I see Joe shot says Jordan Howard has 13 carries for 11 yards and, and two touchdowns, which we'll get into the touchdown then. And and I also have to mention, you just love talking about Solomon Kinley's cheeks. You, you just love them. <laughs> and I think that, I think that is the recipe for success. Again, we're not coaches. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, pretend that we know more than other people, but I don't know why the hell you would throw the football, you know, Six, three four. out of the four
2: three hundred and forty pound right <laughs> guard all right that like that i yeah i have two degrees neither of them are in football but they tell me enough that go behind the guy that looks like a people were ranting all preseason about you could see this guy down the street you could see him on the practice field if you're standing two blocks away and we don't to run behind him What like, jesus yeah what, man- what is-
1: uh, I'm sorry. Maybe it's maybe it's just the old school mentality, but I remember, you know, Lusaka Polite being yep. straight up automatic in short yardage, the Dolphins roster, Chandler Cox, you know, we see him making those hard hits. Give him a give him a chance from one yard out. You know, if if Jordan Howard isn't you cutting it or you're not confident in him, do that. And, you know, again, you have to just you just gotta wonder why. Why would they do that? Why would they not at least you know, I mean I'd rather see them try to pound the football four times like they did the week prior mm-hmm. and eventually make it agree. in than to 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 do this, the Preston Williams thing. I mean, it's inexcusable. And for as much as I love the guy and as much as I, I hype him up as this, you know, he's a true number one wide receiver. I mean, at some point, you know, the questions have to come up about just his focus as far as, you know, catching a football. I mean, he was trying to catch that thing with his body. You know, maybe you could sit there and argue that it wasn't the bill from Fitzpatrick, but you know, big time receivers make big time plays. They needed him to come up with that one. It just went right through his arms. So a lot of bad. I mean, uh, we're sitting here and we're talking about all those bad. We have to talk about the good, and Mike Jasicki's at the top of that list. And I, I just want to throw out this from uh Ryan Smith over at Pro Football Focus. Uh, it says Mike Jasicki earned a career high 94.4 overall grade in week two versus Buffalo. Caught eight receptions on 10 targets, 130 yards. As I uh, tweeted out earlier, or I guess yesterday, that is the most yards by a Dolphins tight end in franchise history. Mm-hmm. So. I mean we saw how dominant he looked and we know I joked and I wrote an article for the Finsider you know we should have all saw this breakout as soon as he threw a freaking football over the house ran underneath it, and caught it so Mike <laughs> just sick yeah I mean he's turning into that big time playmaker that a young quarterback like Tua Tagovailoa is eventually going to need but in this situation in a year when you know the Dolphins have such a need for a wide receiver that big presence on the outside you got this 6 foot 6 guy and just to to close on my thoughts on that I have to say that Adam Levitan of established the run who said in the first two weeks of the season, Mike Jasicki lined up in the slot or wide on 92% of his snaps. He ran around on 63 of Fitz's 86 dropbacks team high, 20.7 target share. Again, he had the 11. He has 11 receptions, 160 yards and one touchdown despite facing new England and Buffalo. I mean, Mike Jasicki is a playmaker again. I think we should have all kind of saw it coming when he threw the football over the house and ran underneath and caught it. But, what are your thoughts about Mike Jasicki and, you know, one of the lone bright spots in that, in that loss to, you know, the Bills on Sunday?
2: Josh, th- th- there's an old saying that what makes a good joke is that there's just a little bit of truth in it. Um, and, and I saw one tweet regarding Mike Jasicki, and it was a fantastic joke, and because of that, it hurt my soul. It said Mike Jasicki has the yak capability of Brian Hartline. And I kind of I I laughed for a little bit, and then I saw Jacek like make a catch and fall to the ground. I'm like, ah, shit. So that is probably the only thing keeping us away from using that e word. The calling him elite. Mike Jacek is absolutely incredible. His hands are absolutely out of this world, and his ability to move the chains is insane. All eight of his catches came for first downs, and you see this with both Jacek and Parker in the sense of. You can know when they're throwing the ball to these guys. Doesn't mean you're going to stop them. And that's what makes a great player. If he had that yak ability, I mean, he'd be up there with the Travis Kelseys in the world. The the Greg Kittle, George Kittle, excuse me, of the world. But until we see that yak, I mean, he's that one little bit away from being a top-tier player. He is such a blast to watch. Um, I mean, and when you talk about Preston Williams getting three receptions for 12 uh on twelve targets and his inability to kind of rise to the occasion and, and make these errors, how can you not just give you know Mike Gesicki? Why can't we just watch him get the ball over and over again? And I think we have to mention you know Devontae Parker's caught nine of his twelve targets for a hundred yards this year. Isaiah Ford, Isaiah Ford, did an awesome game. If we want to talk about the slot? Josh, what did you just see at Isaiah Ford that was so great? He's caught 9 of 14 targets for 89 yards this season, and he looked great yesterday. He looked like a legitimate slot receiver, somebody who is going to get open and have opportunities to make plays. I, it was fantastic.
1: I love Isaiah Ford, and it was really nice to see him have a, a breakout there. And, you know, again, those are two of the the bright spots. We can talk about the offensive line. I mean, they played pretty well, which also goes into the fact that the running backs played decent. Here's some notes you have here. Miles Gaskin played 49 snaps which was sixty five percent while Burita played sixteen snaps. That is one thing that we continue to talk about is why isn't Matt Burita getting utilized more? We saw it with Miles Gaskins, he looked pretty efficient. So two games Gaskins, eighty six rushing yards on sixteen attempts, as long as run is fourteen yards. I mean to me, Miles Gaskin, he's a he's a running back with a similar skill set to Matt Burita. I just don't understand, you know, the Dolphins pass on running backs. They they felt like they could make a move for Matt Breer. They brought him in and then they just kind of allowed Miles Gaskins to really fulfill that role. So Miles Gaskins, I mean, he appears to be the running back one. I mean, we joke if you're a a fantasy football player, like the two of us and you know, you're many leagues, Miles Gaskins in a PPR leagues looking pretty nice right now, considering he's getting all these, these shares and all these touches. So, you know, he's an asset in the receiving game. He's going to continue to get those touches until the success isn't there. But you want to see more from Jordan Howard at the goal line. You want to see more from Matt Breida in space. We joke about the 22.3 miles per hour, but that's an explosive playmaker there. And when you have players like that on the roster, you got to find ways to get them the football. So defensively, a lot of bad. Offensively, I mean, we can sit here and, and see some good. But overall, a lot has to change before, before Thursday.
2: Yeah, and you know I- – there's got to be some sort of reporter down there who has to do have a legitimate conversation with somebody on or off the record about this running back room because what is happening here? We're only going to say that the running game was all right or decent or fine as long as Miles Gaston's the number one guy. I'm not trying to hate whatsoever, but I mean, you're not seeing him make that play, get to that next level where he's going to help you move the chains consistently. We saw what Ryan Fitzpatrick had to do. We saw what Mike DeSeki had to do when he was able to score points. Uh, we saw. <laughs> The Dolphins not be able to score from the one yard line, and if you're you can't say your running back set a good game if you get sucked at the running the one yard line four times. No matter what the outcome is, it's just it's just how the game works. Uh, Gaskin, I think he's a serviceable running back. I see him kind of missing holes and and kind of running into a group of bodies for three yards instead of six or seven. Uh, And that might just come with experience. But, I mean, when you sign Jordan Howard, when you trade for Matt Breida, were they really doing the Patriots method where we're only going to play these guys at this situation? Because if that's the case, I don't think you wait and have Miles Gaskin be your quote-unquote main guy in that type of offense. Yeah, you know... Howard and Brito were labeled 1A, 1B. They're looking like 2A and 2B. Brito, when he comes in, you see him move quicker. You see him kind of jump around that offense. And yet, he only has two completions. He wasn't targeted once in the passing game yesterday. He has as many targets as Patrick Laird, and Patrick Laird has seven more yards. How can we trade for a guy, yes, it would only be a fifth-round pick, and have him be this little involved? We can argue still, it's a you know, short offseason. They haven't had time to learn the playbook. That's one thing, but play to these guys' strengths. That's all we heard about Brian Flores, is that how their guys are going to be put in a situation to succeed and and succeed over and over again. We haven't seen that with these guys. Miles Gaskin, again, he's a decent running back. He's fine. He's a good guy to have on your team. But until, you know, somebody else really takes over, until Breida is in there gashing defenses for 30 yards here or there, or, you know, catching a ball out of the backfield for 26 yards on second and 25, we're going to say that this running back group is just fine. And I don't know if that is going to uh, imply the Dolphins are going to draft one this year or that missing out on J.K. Dobbins is going to be the biggest regret when we look back in five years. But, I mean, the running back room is another huge concern that I think overall just because Gaskin has been fine and given the circumstances has been pretty solid is something we're not going to talk about. But legitimately this needs to be something that's dissected uh, by whether you're a blog boy, whether you're a legitimate reporter, whether you're the dude at the bar who's had three drinks, you need to talk about this Miami back, Miami Dolphins running back room because it's it's in shambles. For the sake of what we're doing, it is in shambles if Gaskin is playing 65% of the time over and over again. I
1: am um, I mean, I'm just going to – we'll leave it at that. I, I think that if Miles Gaskin – I think if he continues to be that guy that we've heard he was this all season, you know he continues to get better, do this, do all the right things, and the coaches feel like he's – the guy to go out there and make plays, you know, I really can't sit here and argue with that, but I think you don't make that trade for Matt Brady. You don't get a guy with those type of skills to not utilize it. And the most frustrating of all Jordan Howard at the goal line. I mean, we all kind of foresaw him being that goal line guy, being that thumper. That's going to get that sure yardage when they, ha- when they needed him most in the time of need, you know, they kind of just decided to to throw the football and it didn't work out. And it was really the difference between a win and a loss. So uh, a lot of things have to change, and the Dolphins really need to figure things out in a quick week. We know they play the Jacksonville Jaguars again at home on Thursday night football. This is an 8 p.m. game. We are planning on doing a podcast to drop, believe, tomorrow night, if not Wednesday morning first thing, and then we will pump it all day Thursday, the Jacksonville preview but but I don't know about you Jake but I think ultimately if the offense can continue to do I mean they put up 28 points and you mm-hmm. know that's not a ton of points but when you have a Brian Flores defense when you bring in all these assets this offseason like that you, we suggest you, you that, that should be more than all you need you know that should be a little bit extra and the same thing in week one i mean you should find ways to to win football games I, I guess i shouldn't say week one they only put up 11 points but you know they should find ways to win football games and they should have a defense that can go out there and make those plays that we were so used to you know this was supposed to be the next patrick sertan and and sammy madison and you know this was supposed to be the next we were supposed to see the next zach taylor and 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 jason i mean zach thomas and jason zach taylor, taylor
2: out. and jason thomas baby yeah, zach, get zach taylor
1: and jason thomas uh i loved the uh, home improvement we should. We should. <laughs> Was that Zach Taylor? I think so. I, I think so. so, too. But you know what I mean? We we, we thought we were going to have this dominant defense. We thought we had the right coach in place. We thought we had the, the right players. And I'm not saying we don't have the right coach in place. I think we all still trust in Brian Flores. Absolutely, Love yeah. what he's building here. Love the culture. Love just Brian Flores as a person. But you need to see it pay dividends. And it hasn't yet all that money invested, all those draft picks invested. They got to turn around quick because Gardner Minshew, Minshew mania. He's on his way to hard rock, and, and things could get ugly if the Dolphins fall to 0-3 in 2020.
2: Yeah, and like, you know, I'm sitting here ranting, and it is week two, and we can look back at this in five weeks and, and laughing. The Dolphins, for the sake of everything, they could be 5-2 and two in five weeks, and we could all be laughing. But we can only use what's given to us right now. Obviously, we're going to wait. We're going to play things out. But this team, you know, final thoughts here, they they really need to establish an identity fast. We need to quickly start to see, hey, they do this kind of well. Or, hey, this is pretty well. This is working well. Let's do more of this. We need to start to see these type of things that get us excited about the team because, again, this isn't the 2019 team. They're not getting blown out at a historical rate. But that shouldn't be our expectations to just be better than that, right? We should expect to see uh, some sort of this this talent that all these players who brought in We're supposed to see this puzzle. We're putting together all these pieces we're supposed to see it some sort of big picture and we just haven't yet it's frustrating because you know there's only 16 games and i do want to get the most out of each one i actually strangely enough have it like having these rants i'd rather be ranting about football and, and you know i think a lot of people do feel the same type of way in terms of the miami dolphins and their frustrations especially when brian flores has been uh you know this Defensive genius, and he's allowed 30 points in in 11 of his, you know, 18 games. It reminds me of what Adam Gase did on the offense, where they were just struggled over and over. And obviously there are positives. We are not the Adam Gase-led Jets. Uh, There's no surprise that, uh, you know, we still legitimately think Brian Flores could be a great NFL coach. Adam Gase, that's long out the window. This isn't like a a floundering 0-2, we got to fire the coaching staff and, and start all over. I understand that. But at the same time, if we're floundering at 0-5 or 0-6 and, 6, uh, and things, there's no signs of anything, any sort of progress, and the Dolphins happen to win five of their last nine again, I'd be concerned. I'd be a little concerned. But you mentioned it; we have a short week. Uh, the Dolphins need to kind of get things going. You have to wonder if maybe they use those first two weeks as a kind of figure things out as a preseason. And then you use the Thursday night game as a jumping-off point. You see what Denver is doing with all their injuries they're suffering. The the injury bug really hasn't hit the Dolphins too well or uh, too hard yet. I'm going to knock on wood there. Uh, You don't expect losing someone like Byron Jones, who is a great cornerback to really uh, dismantle your team, but it is what it is. We're on to Jacksonville. The Miami Dolphins need to turn this around and quick. And Josh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to keep picking the Dolphins to win games. At the end of the day, we're fans. We don't want to hear the whiny, you know, uh, this, this, and this. At the end of the day, I'm going to get jacked up about the Dolphins. We're going to hope they're going to win games. And if they don't, we could rant about it on the negative side but come the weekend we're going to be rooting for them again. Uh, that that kind of sums up our Buffalo Bills summer. You you saw a lot left out on the field. You see a lot of questions surrounding this team but hey, the story's still being told.
1: The story is absolutely still being told and like we said all offseason long, you know, there's no preseason. These players, they took these two first first losses, they took it to the chin, you know, it kind of would have hoped to win one of those games against the division rivals but it was a New England Patriots Patriots and we no one really could expect Cam Newton to go out there and ball out the way he did and then the Buffalo Bills a lot of people had predicted that they would win the AFC so you know you're not too surprised you, you kind of had hoped again to see them play better in different areas but short week against Jacksonville they got to turn it together they got to go out there they got to establish the run they got to to stop the run game. And as much as we sat here and we said that we needed to allow Josh Allen to beat us with his arm, I think they got to find a way to to do the same and, and force Gardner Minshew to go out there and make those impressive plays that we've seen from him. Mm-hmm. Again, we're going to talk about him and the Jacksonville Jaguars on a later show on the podcast, but just to close the chapter on the Buffalo bills, it is what it is. I think if Byron Jones is out there, you know, later in the year, I think it could be a much different game between the two teams because this was an early season. A lot of things are slowly starting to come together, and I think the Dolphins team that we see at the end of the year is going to be much different than the one we've seen over the first two weeks.
2: Absolutely. Early in the season, we just want to see some pleasant surprises. We want to see some trends heading in the right direction. Then when you come to the, you know, the late October, November, they start to win games. They start to win games decisively, and we're not you know, wondering, oh, thank God this happened. We want the Dolphins to eliminate the if games in a good way. Uh, Josh, you mentioned it. Uh, Right now we're recording this. is Monday night. We're going to try to get this podcast out either Monday night, Tuesday morning for you guys. Jacksonville Jaguars preview Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. Be sure to let us know your thoughts on Jacksonville. We're on to Jacksonville. Be sure, be sure, be sure wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you're enjoying it, hit that subscribe button. If you're enjoying it enough, give us that five-star review. Leave us a comment. That stuff helps us out oh so much. And, you know, I had a rant, my rant this morning on Twitter Josh added a bunch of quotes. He was there for every press conference the Miami Dolphins had today. Uh, they're virtually, obviously. He was there, so you need to follow him for all, all, all the Dolphins news you could possibly ask for. That's simply at H-O-U-T-Z. Me, if you want to get a little emotional, want to get a little passionate, you want to yell, you want to talk about Solomon Kenley, you can find me at jmental 94 Thank you guys so much for listening. And Josh, we're on to Jacksonville. And more importantly, fins up.
1: Ends up. We'll talk to you guys later in the week. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami
0: has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins,